today's episode, Dave interviews Dr. John Mayer. Dr. Mayer is the chair of the theater department at California State University in Stalinslas, California. He is a former student of Paul Sills, Sheldon Patakin, Alan Arkin, and Del Close, and studied acting at Steppenwolf Theater Company with John Malkovich. Dr. Mayer is a coordinator for the California Summer Arts Festival and recruited hundreds of actors and artists to study with the Steppenwolf Theater Company, Chicago-style comedy, Second City, and sketch comedy writing. Recorded at CSU Monterey Bay, home of the California Summer Arts Festival. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Um, I want to get this right, uh, right off the bat, and this must be a drag. Um, I got to say, this is Dr. John Mayer. Dr. John Mayer, not John Mayer. When he came into being, did you go, oh, fuck? You know what I mean? When it's like, now people are going to think that I'm him. You know what I mean? Like, there's only one Dave Rosaski. Well, when, when uh, John Mayer first kind of hit the scene, uh, a number of my friends were calling me and giving me a lot of grief. And You can uh, say shit if you want. Oh, shit. They were giving me a lot of shit. Thank you. Or you this, is the, this is the structure of that joke. Um, you can say shit if you want. Oh, shit. They gave me a lot of grief. <laughs> Thank you. That's how that yeah, see, I can't try to, try to stay up <laughs> on that level. But so what I did was I went out and bought a number of CDs, and I cut off little pieces of my pictures, and I sent pasted it over the CDs, and I sent it back to my friends. I think that you and he, he would really get along. You and John Mayer would really get along. I tried really hard. He came to Fresno, and I went and I saw him, and I really tried to connect with him, and, and I couldn't. Musically connect with him? or <laughs> No. Just, you know, try to meet with him and say, you uh -huh. know, just so you know, I'm the real John Mayer. Right. And if anybody, and if people come up to you and say, listen, John Mayer. Oh, John Mayer. Okay. Listen, uh, there's this project I want to do at Summer Arts. And he's like, I'm not that John Mayer. Everybody confused me with that John Mayer. I'm not that John Mayer. <laughs> Just yeah, the, the exact opposite. You know, for years, then my running gag was when people would say that uh, is that, uh, you know, my body was a wonderland, mm -hmm. what I would say. But my wife and I went to, my wife Kitsy and I went to New Orleans and we got into our hotel room. And uh, there was a big basket waiting for us with warm cookies and a bottle of wine and a really nice note from the manager saying, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but we took a cruise together and you were on the cruise and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so I, I said, she thinks I'm the, John, I'm the other John Mayer. And I, so I was going to go over to the phone and call her. And my wife said, you're not calling her. You're, you're milking this as long as you fucking can, you know? So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we went a couple of days and there were a couple like she sent me a book and stuff and then finally I met her and, and she was like uh, oh yeah no. you know yeah I've gotten I've gotten a number of groans about right. that over the years oh, oh no. you're John Mayer no no yeah, no no, no. Yeah, so oh, it is no. it is strange having uh, the same name as somebody who is basically a pretty top level celebrity for sure right um, I mean I don't know that but yeah I it's for me, I, this is a weird thing that happened. That would to me. be funny if another Dave Rosowski became like huge. <laughs> that would be the last thing that I would think would happen, and yet I think that's very possible that that could happen. That there's a Dave Rosowski <laughs> that comes around. Um, there was a woman that uh, one of my students, uh, an adult, and she had. She was the first person I knew that had the same birthday as me, and this happened maybe eight years ago. I don't know why I didn't. I hadn't yet to meet anybody that had the same birthday. The, the same. Year two or just no, no, the same just birthday. birthday. Uh, 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 which reminds me of something else. But the moment that she said that was her birthday, I got sexually aroused, and I don't know why. It was like, oh, well, I, oh, 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 and I don't know why. One of the best 
sexual partners I've ever had in my life, we shared the same birthday. Mm. I can't really explain it. Uh, I'm going to have uh, connect this. I'm going to point this out, but this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but it does, and that is Rachel Hamilton and Amy Seeley share the same birthday the same year. They're exactly the same age. Two phenomenal women improvisers and teachers. Have they ever tried to uh, calculate when they were born? Were they born near the same time as two at the same time of day? I, I think that I think Rachel said that they were one was born. Rachel was born in the morning or something yeah, like that. That's when they do astrological readings. They want to know the exact minute you were born. You know. So do you do true. that? Do you know that? Do you, you do you know? Well, you know, no, I can't say that I I ever was uh, a skeptic. But somebody gave it to me as a gift one one year. Gave what to you? Uh, uh, gave me an astrological reading, mm -hmm. uh, like a full, like four-hour astrological reading with mm -hmm. a woman I'd never met. Mm -hmm. She had no prior knowledge of me, mm -hmm. and I sat there for four hours. And I swear to God, it was like she knew me intimately. Isn't it, there also? But did she say things that could be universal of anybody? Um, yeah, you know, there were things that could be universal of anything, but it was four hours. That's I mean, a long fucking time. That was a long time, and she freaking knew me right. she knew me inside out you know it was it was pretty impressive and everything i've ever read about my sign our sign because we share the same sign right uh, aries is really kind of identifies who i am even you know when it's broad mm -hmm. i am that quality at but can't that be said about so many people you know what i mean like i i, I always think if there was if if everyone was essentially the same in terms of astrological signs, we would have a we would have we would be much more. There would be a uniform uniformality, is that a word? Um, in in so many things, like there would be, like we'd start categorizing people, like only Aries go over here, or you Aries need to. I don't think, I I don't believe. Well, no, it. because there's a little nuance to 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 every individual. I think mm -hmm. so. I, I, I'm I'm a skeptic for sure, but I kind of believe it. I, I'm a skeptic, but I kind of believe it. That's a weird sentence to me. I because I said I kind of that makes somebody a skeptic. Mm. You know. You oh, know. oh, I see, I see. For me, when somebody says I'm a skeptic, but I kind of uh, I'm a skeptic, but I kind of believe it. I guess that does prove it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my big thing these days is stop saying kind of, stop saying kind of, stop saying sort of, stop saying like. Because you want people to be definite. Yes, and because if if I say to you, if you say I'm a skeptic, but I believe it. I guess that's not what you're saying, though. It's not what I said. I right, said I, I kind of believe it. Right. But, you know, well, I, I believe life is black and white, I, I, you know, at times. and But but most of the time, it's it's pretty gray. So being a skeptic is being in that gray area. Oh, right. You know, you're questioning things all the time. And I, I just had a conversation with Michael Shepard, who's a... I don't know if you know Michael Shepard. Um, great any, actor. Any relation to David Shepard? No, they're very different people. One is a tall black man, and one is a <laughs> frail old improvising guy, uh, an improvising icon. Um, they're both iconic, so I guess in that way. But um, uh, we were talking about, uh, God, what did you just say? There was something that you just said. The, the idea of kind of, sort of, somewhat, the idea of being skeptical. Oh, the, the idea of black and white, of believing in things. And I, I, I was thinking about, being curious, the idea of being curious. And I think that there aren't enough people that are curious. And I think that there aren't enough people that are willing to say, listen, I want you to tell me something that will change my mind. Certainly when it comes to gun control or anti-abortion people, uh, Republicans, tell me why I should 
change the way that I have been thinking. And so far, no one's been able to do that. And I don't know if, that, if I'm intransigent or if I'm just a douchebag or if it's just impossible to, to argue with a crazy mind. There is no kind of for me when it comes to discussing that. The freaking people who I think are just destroying this country are the Rush Limbaugh's, the Sean Hannity's, who are making millions of dollars mm -hmm. by perpetuating uh, false and half-truths mm -hmm. and turning them into something and rousing this group of people that clearly don't want to have any thought whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They just want to be told and they want to buy into it. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. Do, do you it. think, though, and, and, and I'm not playing devil's advocate here, but I also feel like there's... There's a, 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 there's a group of people that really want to make this. Well, you know, the left does it and the right does it. And everybody's guilty of holding on to their beliefs. And so tell me why no. Because I feel like maybe I'm guilty of that. Maybe I'm guilty of holding on to my beliefs. Maybe I'm guilty of it. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, it's, it's hard because the right throws that at you all the time. Well, you got your, you got your crazy people, too. Right. You know, I got into a, a big debate with Gary Sinise one time, and I said that. And I said, it's, you know, it's fucking Sean Hannity, and it's, it's Rush Limbaugh, and it's, it's the right-wing radio. And he goes, yeah, well, you got Michael Moore, and you got, you know, and I'm like, no, don't throw that back at me. You know, Michael Moore is not talking to millions of people on a daily basis and, and, you know, just perpetuating myths, you know, I just, right, right. right. I don't understand what I don't get is I'm such a fucking lefty. What I don't understand, but I also worry about this. Katie, uh, my wife, Katie, who, you know, I, I love, she, she was what I would call a fundamental, a fundamentalist progressive. And that is, uh, so fundamentalist that she is so fundamentalist that she was more conservative than, than she, you know, she was like totally PC and you can't say this. You've got to say that, say that, say that, say that. And I felt like that we're just as guilty of that. Well, you know, yeah, I had, I had some opinions and then I lived in Texas for seven years in a town that was extremely conservative, primarily Southern Baptist, something I'd never been around my, in my upbringing. And I'd always been, you know, uh, pro-choice, no question, you know, period, it's pro-choice. And then I met people who were devoutly pro-life. They were friends of mine who I was working with. And over time and discussion, I, my position began to change a little bit. Not that I'm not pro-choice, I still am, but I was extremely sympathetic to what they were feeling because what they were feeling was deeply rooted. Mm -hmm. It was something they had been brought up to believe and they believed passionately their whole life. Right. You know, so it's in their DNA and it cannot be extracted except through exposure to people that really need to have an abortion, people that really need, uh, what else is there? People that really love another, love a, a member of the same sex. Cause I think that what exposes I think that what exposes what can what can evolve someone is the idea of do you see that man he loves that man or how about this do you see that man he loves that woman he adores that woman do you see that man he loves that man well it's so deep even when they have someone close to them who is in that situation someone they love who's gay right like they because it invariably okay. happens they just cannot accept it it's 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 so deep 
in them, you know. I mean, now the the world's changing, the country's changing, and and it's it's certainly. I mean, God, I think in terms of in terms of trans transformation of a society, the acceptance of gay people in, in on many levels is happening faster than let's say the acceptance of uh, African Americans in that transition. Right. You know, it's it's right. happening. Right. You know, and people right. are like, well, you know, it, there's it's like, well, there's nothing I can do. Almost is kind of their attitude. Well, it, it, That's what they are. Right. You know, I don't approve. It's not me. But I, well, you know. No, I mean, not everybody. Have, of course, you have zealots who, you know, will go to their dying day and will, you know, give them a shotgun. And, well, they already have one and, and they'll blow that person away. But, right. you know, uh, but I think people are softening. I believe that this is and I've, I've mentioned this so many times, the idea that this is such a we're living in, in, in such an unbelievable fucking world right now. And I wonder if. 50 years ago, people were saying the same thing. Very possible that people were say, saying the same thing 50 years ago would say, um, if I want to call someone, if I want to talk to someone, and I live in New York, I could call them on the phone. How phenomenal is that? But right now, we are living in a crazy fucking world where I've got this podcast, and it's going out to the world, John. The world. And it's not a radio station. And I'm nothing. And I don't make any money on this thing. Like... It's we're at a place where what a a wonderful chronicle you're going to have. And if you ever want to sit and look back at at all these podcasts and actually go in and edit transcripts, I mean, you've certainly got an unbelievable amount of material to to write a book on on the state of comedy, whatever it is. What what an amazing chronicle. How many people have you interviewed? You're 153. 153. I'm, 153 I'm always going to think of myself now as 153. Uh, here about, how, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, sure. And, and when did we first start talking about the possibility of you maybe interviewing me? I, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I probably had to wait at least, you know, 79 from when we first started talking. <laughs> um, the minute that I got this Zoom, this, uh, this, this digital recorder right. that we're recording on, everything changed. It just, everything changed because I was untethered from everybody right. else. I could, I, could, I could take this thing all around the world and I will probably take it with me when I go to Australia mm-hmm. uh, next week. Um, I'm going to Australia next week. I know your, your, your travel history over the past two years has been unbelievable. And you were a major part of that because when I, got, when I left Second City, whatever you want to call that, when I left Second City, you were one of the people that says, go off and do what it is that you want to do. But that's one of the things that you do, you, that you, that, that one of the reasons that you're on this planet and what you do so well is you are a facilitator for people to um, make a discovery of who it is that they are. You're one of these people that, that, gives, that helps people give voice to what it is that people want to do. Yeah, you know, I, I like to think that's that's kind of what I do. Kind of. <laughs> it, it is. It is what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, there there are kind of what's not necessary. I'm not a skeptic. But it it just, is what I do, right. and I, and it brings me great joy because I'm, I'm kind of like the person can, who can kinda? push. <laughs> I'm the person who can push a person over the precipice that they have taken themselves to, but they haven't quite made the step. Isn't I'm the it, person who can say. Okay, make the step. And, and trust it. It's everything you teach in class, Dave, is right. everything I just threw back at you mm-hmm. when you needed to make that choice in your life. It's like, put it behind you and just say yes 
Don't fear it. Trust it. If you go there, it will. If you build it, they will come. And that's what happened. And it took a little while to get us going, and now it's going. And like, look, look at where you've been. You oh know? my God! Look at where I've been. Look, where I'm going. I'm going to Europe. When are you going to Europe? I'm going to Europe in October. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible. But I want to get back to this: the idea that uh, um, people who uh, I've been thinking a lot, a lot about. When people make changes in their life, when people make that change in their life, and I think that people make that change in their life, um, is that word irrespective? Irrespective? Um, the, uh, it doesn't, they make the change in their life when they're ready to make the change in their life. There's nothing that I can say to anybody that's going to turn them around unless they're ready at that moment to be turned around. Do you understand what I mean? Like I can lodge, I, I can say to, I can say to the, there's a guy here, one of the students here wants to quit smoking. And I can say to him, listen, you want to quit smoking, do it now. You've got to do it now. And if you don't do it now, it's not going to happen. But he's not going to hear that. What he's going to hear is this, quit smoking when you're ready to quit smoking. It, there's going to come a point that is a tipping point in everything that everybody does. A moment that somebody goes, you know what? I've been thinking about this epiphany. I've had the fucking epiphany, and now I'm going to work upon it. I, I like to think my power is a little greater than that, not in every circumstance with every individual. But I think by the environment I create for people here at Summer Arts mm -hmm. or the environment I created in our conversations that <clears throat> people who may not have thought they were at that moment to make the decision or maybe it wasn't, they hadn't even been thinking in terms of am I at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. I, I put them in, in a situation where it's clear that the decision's going to be made. Well, but they're not going to they're not going to act upon it until they're ready to act upon it. They will listen to it, but it still needs to incubate. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. It still needs to incubate. And and I think that as a parent, it must be very hard when you tell your child something and they don't do it right away, but you've got to know that they're going to do it when they're ready to do it. Well, my my children have heard the messages I have given them ad nauseum for so long, you know, now that I think the symbol of that is every time we go to my hometown, we I always drive them by my old house. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's kind of a symbol of I, I've been giving them this message and I think they embrace it. And whether or not they're able to use that message at any given moment, I don't know. But they will have moments where it's going to be clear from that uh repetition of message certainly but they're not going to hit that and they're not going to turn that switch and the, until they're ready to turn have that you switch. had moments in your life because i have but have you had moments in your life that were absolute true epiphany moments well where, yes where that moment from that moment on your life took a turn well please keep in mind i mentioned this i mentioned somebody i said to somebody i don't want to be married to you anymore i don't right. want to be married to you anymore and I was married to somebody for 14 years. And then there's a moment where you, where you say, uh, the, 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 the awesome thing is the moment before, you know, Michael Shirley's the moment before, the moment before. And that moment before is based upon a million moments before. And when, it's the moment before where, I, where I'm thinking, I'm driving home, I'm gonna park, I'm gonna unlock my door, I'm gonna walk in the door. I'm going to greet the dogs and then I'm going to sit my wife down and I'm going to say to her, I can't do this anymore. I want a divorce.
Was that an epiphany, though? Because that was clear because you epiphany. had built, but you had built to that moment. You had thought about making that moment happen. So, uh, to me, an epiphany is something that strikes epi- you but, in but, an instant. Okay, good. Now, but the epiphany happened before that. Certainly, the epiphany right. before that was I am going to say, say to her right gotcha, now. Gotcha, yeah. Now I've had I've had my therapist say to me, you know, you've got okay. Take this word. I want you to play around this word, and you'll you'll be able to, to voice this word when it becomes comfortable with you. And the word is divorce. Just because prior to that, and that's what he did. Prior to that, he, he, I didn't. I wasn't even considering that. But he said it appears to me that it's over. And whether you believe it or not, I want you to play with it. And, and find it for yourself. And find it for yourself. I am not telling you to do this. I'm just saying, listen to this word. And then there came a point where I was talking to Molly Duran, one of my students, and, and she said, it sounds to me like you should end your marriage. Mm-hmm. And she didn't say that because she wanted to sleep with me because that wasn't what it was. But it was, it was a, a student who said something to me, and she probably doesn't even remember that she, us having this right. conversation. But that was the epiphany that was built upon something that was a seed that was dropped to me, dropped on me, dropped in my soil by, if you will, yeah. by my therapist. I had, uh, I had a, an, an incredible moment of epiphany in my life, and, and it kind of came after uh, some thought. But it, I remember where I was standing when it hit me. Uh, I, I, and it, it was a defining moment in my life, this epiphany. Um, I was waiting tables at Mike Ditka's restaurant in Chicago. Uh, my father had recently passed away. This is like 26, 27 years ago. My father had recently passed away. Your kids never met your father? No, no. And, uh, my daughter had been born one month after my father died, my daughter that I had, who was oh yes, that not, I fought, that I Joe fathered Hannah. for a not friend, Joe yes, Tyler. Okay. okay, all right. And I was working at Ditka's one night. It was a busy night, as every night was at Ditka's. It was the hottest place in Chicago. I loved waiting tables there. I'm a Chicago sports fanatic. I had a big tray hoisted above my head, and I had the station on the far side of the bar, which was the station was always a problem because the bar was always teeming with people. Mm -hmm. You had to move through the people with your tray up, excusing yourself. And I was walking through the sea of people, and I just stopped. And it was like, you know, I I saw these images of myself like a, a movie frame. Boom, and I stopped, and I went, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing the rest of my life. This is not what I'm supposed to be. And I, the very next day, I drove up to my old high school, and I said, "I got to go back to school. I am meant to teach." You got back to high school. You went. To I, went, a, went I back to, to high, high went back school. To, I went back to high school. I don't know that was because a good I, idea. because I missed a lot of what I should have had the yeah, first time. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to get it back. I think that's a bad <laughs> idea. Well, just me. You know, this is just me. Fuck it. So you went back to where did you go? What do you, I, went, you said? I went into the counseling center. It was before there were. Oh, you so know, you, you had could, a friend before you could surf. Got it. Con- and I went in. I said, I want to go back to. to grad. Now I'd already had. I already you got my. Wait, article. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I got to clarify this. You, you, you didn't misspeak when you said you went back to high school. No, I went back to my high school to, to research I graduate see. programs. Why there? Because it seemed you know you weren't. This was you but know. But couldn't you have gone to a was, library? Well. Yeah, I guess I could have gone to the library, but that was the resource that I knew of, you know, okay. because I'd been, you know, the counselors there were counseling people about college. But, and, and you stuff. knew those people that were counseling. I don't know if I, I, I probably still knew people. You had stuff. gotten, you had gotten your undergrad. Yeah, this was. Probably, Wait, what, what did you get your undergrad in? Uh, well, I, 
I finagled my undergrad. It took me 10 but years. What I, but what was it? It was in non-traditional programs, essentially, is what my degree Okay, is. that doesn't mean anything, but okay. I mean, I didn't, I, 95% of my high school class went to college, mm -hmm. right out of high school. Mm -hmm. I did not. Mm -hmm. I kind of futzed around for a, a while, and I started my own touring theater business. I right. studied with Del Close. I did all that stuff in the late 70s. And then um, I... In my own theater business, I went to Western Illinois University to hire me, and I went in and I ran a uh, improvisational workshop for the graduate program, the MFA students. As as just a guy. As just a guy. I had no bachelor's. I had nothing. So you you just you just you That's where I met balls, Tracy Thorpe. Right, but you just balled out. You just did balls. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do. That. I'm going to do that. I can do that. And they hired me. Right. They brought me in for the weekend. Did you ever doubt that they were going to hire you? Uh, well, it took me a while to develop clients, but when they called and said, we want to hire you because my specialty was improvisation, I was right. like, yeah, improvisation in the most basic form. When I watch you, Teacher James, or what the level you take it to, I mean, this is, we're, we're talking circa 78. I'd go in and teach them games and teach them rules. But shit has changed so, so much. So much. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I don't take I, it I, I'm not saying that in a way like, you know, give yourself some slack. I'm just saying it's so awesome how much change there has been. I know. You know it, what I mean? An explosion. Right. And, and an, an explosion, but also an explosion and also an evolution of what it is that improvisation is. Absolutely. Because I was in at the very beginnings of long form improvisation with right. Del Close. Right. You know, and Charna was in that workshop and Tim Kasarinski was in that workshop when he was kind of formulating the concept of Del what Harold was. was. Del, Del Close. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I went, I went to Western and it went really, really well. Uh, and I, I guess I'll get back to the epiphany moment, but I went to Western and it was in a magical weekend. Some of those people that I met in that weekend, they're still my friends, like a summer arts kind of thing. Right. I mean, Tracy Thorpe, her, her, her husband to be Jack Headblade, their ex-husband, ex uh, you know, Gary, Gary Bowick, Graham Murphy. I mean, some people that, you know, they're, they've all gone on in the business. Right. That was a, it was an important moment for them in their lives, meeting me and an important right. moment for me in a realization of, of that, that I was indeed uh, uh, a teacher. You know, a teacher that could garner uh, some attention and and have an impact. Got it. Got and it. Uh, I got home. So at it, that it, moment, the epiphany from W from Western Illinois University, right? Yeah, that was another epiphany. But but that epiphany there was I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. Yeah, but but I still, but I still was just kind of meandering. I wrote a letter to the head of the department, I, and I said, at, you know, at, at, at Western Illinois University, Gene Kozlowski. How, how, how come it's hard to say WIU? Because it's never people called don't, People don't say WIU. They yeah, they say don't. Western. Western. Yeah. Uh, and I sent him a letter, and I said, uh, you know, the weekend went really well. I just want you to know that I'm available. If you're hiring any faculty ever, I, I'd love to come there. We, we, I obviously had a connection with your students, and we. And but you only have an undergrad degree. I had nothing. You had nothing. I, I didn't you have an undergrad degree. Oh, okay, good, good. I didn't have an under. I had nothing. Right. And I wrote him this letter, and Gene, who is a really nice guy, his, his son and Matt owns uh, the bar on Roscoe three three something three something. I can't remember, um, and. Uh, he wrote me a really nice letter back, and he said, John, I have the greatest respect for what you did with my students, mm -hmm. but let me tell you how this works. Ah. 
nobody's going to hire you in higher education without an advanced degree. Right. And, it, you, and you don't even have your bachelor's. He says, but I'd like to help you. We have this alternative program here. And um, you can get credit for prior learning, and I'll work with you to get it. And you have to take uh, a minimum of 12 units at one of our institutions. So I then immediately started going to school the next semester at Northeastern Illinois University. And uh, looking for salt. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, he said he'll help me. And he signed a piece of paper. It cost me $30, and he signed a piece of paper. I wrote an autobiography of what I'd been doing with my touring business and my studies at Second City and Steppenwolf, and for $30, I got 45 undergraduate credit hours. Oh, my God. I went for 12 units at Northeastern, and he accepted me into the MFA program at Western. The very next year, I mean, this happened over the course of like six months, the very next year, and I started there, and I was still three units shy of my bachelor's degree. So I took an independent astronomy class my first semester of my MFA program at Western. That's where I met Michael Boatman. And in December of my first semester of grad school, I went up in the Office of Non-Traditional Programs, and the dean wore his regalia. The office staff all wore bathrobes, and they had kazoos, and they played Pomp and Circumstance, and I walked through a gauntlet, and he handed me my degree, and that was how I got my bachelor's degree. And then, you know... But you were also working on your MFA then? And then I was into my MFA, and back then it was just a two-year program with one summer rep experience there at, at Western. They had a summer and music And then theater. you got a... Uh, I, I don't usually do a lot of history things, but then you got a doctor. You got, you got your PhD. No, then I went back to Chicago and uh -huh. started working at even nicer restaurants because now I had my master's but I, Okay, degree. I just want to say this. Like the idea of, because uh, uh, I, I don't want to go through all okay, that history, okay. right. only because I want to that's jump okay. to the idea of a person getting their PhD. The idea of, like, you probably never thought that you'd get your PhD. No, I was not a good student ever. And I think that that's an important thing for a lot of people because when I think about the people that listen to the podcast, I think about <laughs> I think about me. You know, like would I listen to this podcast? And and hopefully people are still listening. And the idea that <laughs> the idea of I was not a good student either, or either that just shows you right there. So I was never not a good student uh, either. And I and I feel like so many people go, I'm not a good student. So they buy into that story about themselves where that's not fucking true and they could still move forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you, gotta ha you have to have a passion for wanting to learn something. And, and anybody who has that passion then will become, quote unquote, a good student. You know, and when I decided to go get my doctorate, which is something I had never considered, right. my MFA from Western... Uh, was not get, opening doors for me. And, and I felt like there was still something missing. So I decided in this epiphany moment at Ditka's that I was going to go back to school and, and get my doctorate. Right. And uh, So you were working at, at Ditka's with an MFA. With a, my with MFA. a master's. Right. And the idea of, I've got, I've got to go back to school and get your doctorate. Yeah. That's a fucking crazy idea. Yeah, and I was, uh, you know, I was in my early 30s at the time. Right. Too. Um. I, I thought about because uh, I'm, I'm looking around to because uh, we're we're at the California Summer Arts Festival in Monterey Bay, and I'm I'm looking around a lot of these people. I'm thinking these people have their master's degree, and some of these people have their PhD. And could I do that? 
could I get a master's degree? Um, and I feel like I could, but it would take away from what it is that I'm doing right now. Alex Billings did it. Right. Alexandra yeah. Billings got a master's degree, but she's not, she's not 55. She's pretty damn close. She probably is. She's pretty damn close. Yeah, but you don't talk about a later stage. <laughs> Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, and, and for me going to graduate school and working on my PhD was, it was like climbing a mountain. And I, I, one of the few times in my life I made a commitment to a goal and I was not going to be kept from that goal. So you got excited about the goal. I did. And it kept, it kept me going. And that was, and, and, and I feel like when someone has a goal and they're like, oh, I love what it is. But you also love what it was that you were doing, the process that was getting you to your goal. For the most part, some of it but, was really challenging. But I understand that. But I think that, I think that a lot, uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that life isn't about the goal. Life is about the process. Oh, I, that's all it's about for me. And I, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, gosh, I, I'm, so, I'm so sad on some, on some level that my dad wasn't around to see this. Or to see what How old my, is he when he died? It's like 68 or 69. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. I think and, he, he died in October. He would have been 69 in January. Right. It's the idea of, uh, who's I talking to? It might have been my mom. Uh, I'm single. I'm not single. I have a girlfriend. But uh, she's my girlfriend. She's not my wife. Right. Um, I don't have any children. My, my brother doesn't have any children. My sister doesn't have any children. Um, so when I get to be a drooling, just want to masturbate in public and poop my pants, there's no one that's going to be around to go, Uncle Dave. And it's such an interesting thing to go, uh, what do I do with end-of-life decisions? You know, the idea of... of, of, of of burial, of, of cemetery, of all those things. Like that, who's going to deal with that? Who's going to deal with that? The idea of who's going to deal with that. Uh, I don't know. Well, I can talk to my kids. Your kids love me. I know they the, do. You know, um, I can I can talk to them. Yeah, I, but I, I wouldn't count on any of them. You know, Maybe I t- Johanna. I told you the story about coming back from having seen you in L.A. and we had been in that bar and in the middle of all that noise in the bar, you had you had you had gotten this. You had like an epiphany and you grabbed me and you said, John, you know, I just got to tell you, your children are fantastic. They are they are mensches. They are such wonderful people. What and then I asking then about? I came came home and I sat my family down after dinner Sunday and we, and I telling about my, my trip to LA and I go, and I got to tell you what Dave said. And I repeated the, the story and he said, you know, you're great. And then, then I kind of got choked up and I said to him, you know, it's never going to be better than it is right at this moment. You know, we are so lucky to have each other. And, you know, Johanna came up and hugged me and Nick came up and hugged me and Murphy pulled out his cell phone and started to pretend like he was dialing and said, are you done? <laughs> you know, so so the the so you know he might take care of you because I think, he, I think he got the interesting you. Thing, but I think the interesting <laughs> thing is he's the one that you can you can count on. Like that, he's such a prick, but he's the one that you can count on. Uh, just getting older, and that your father passed away at such a young age, and 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 the idea of living your life, and because I don't. I, one of the things is I don't have that. I don't have that death in my family yet. Of parent, a parent, right? I, I've got grandparent, um, but I don't have parent, and I know how close you were with your dad, 
and especially with everything, the sports, right? Yeah, he's, he's, really, he's a fanatic. A sports fanatic, and, and that is something that you've got, and it's, and especially, like, he wasn't around when your kids were born. No. No, you know, it's interesting. When my dad died, it was, uh, uh, we went into the, the room, and, and they asked you if you want to see the body, which was, I, I don't know what, you know, I never dealt with the death before. And I remember we went back in the room where his body was, uh, was laying and, uh, uh, I felt at peace. My sister had some tears and my brother just was broken up, broken up, my older brother. And, you know, I, when my dad died, it seemed like an appropriate time, even though he was young because of some of the troubles he had had with multiple strokes, et cetera. He wasn't his full self. And, I, I, I didn't have anything unresolved with him, right. you know, so, right. and I had nothing but fond memories. So right. it was like, it seemed okay. I, I, I think I might've told you the story before, but one night, uh, about a year before he died, I came home and I was staying at my parents' house and helping a little bit cause you know, they just needed some help. And I came home and I was pretty fucked up. I was really high. And I walk in at about two thirty, quarter to three in my, in the morning and my dad, what time? Two thirty, quarter to three. Ow, 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 ow. I came in about hour, quarter to three. Right. And uh, I walk in through my parents' living room, and my dad was sitting in a chair. And they live in a townhouse complex, and so the light from the, the street lights or the, the walk lights was spilling through the window so you could see his face. And he was wide awake. And I looked at him, and he looked at me. And I said, Dad, what, what, are, you, what are you doing what are you doing up? And he looked at me and he said, I'm just trying to figure it all out. And he, he couldn't do it. It was like such a moment. Uh, you know, wait, wait, so wait, 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 wait. Let's just take a moment to live in that moment. I'm just trying to figure it out. My dad was somebody I could give two two-digit numbers to, and, and I could count to five, and he would multiply them and give me the number. I mean, his mind was working. And but it's also, he, he's been trying to figure, he's been able to figure it out prior to that. Yes. I mean, he right had, there. But, like he had actually, had mul- but he had had multiple strokes, and he right. couldn't do it anymore. Right. And the, idea of, of, the idea of, it's easy to figure out facts. It's hard to figure out truth. When he said he's trying to figure it out, yeah. what he's trying to do is, what he's, what he's, in, what he's engaged in is, what, what do you think he's engaged in? I think he was just unable to even put simple things together that he had been able to put together before. You know, like, you know, you know he might have just been trying to remember where he put his hat when he came home or something, right. you know, he couldn't remember the simplest things. And, and it was like, and here was a man who his mind was like incredible when, when he was at his, at his peak before he had any issues. What happens to us? The idea of what the fuck happens to us. And when I say what happens to us, I'm not looking for you to answer it. The idea of we are two, you and I are having this vibrant conversation and there's going to come a time where we're not going to be able to have that conversation anymore. Where we're not going to be able to be, where we're not going to be capable to have that conversation. And I don't fear it because I know it's going to happen. Do you, do you understand what I mean? The idea of we reach a point where the brain that we love, that for me, I love my brain. I love the way I think. Right. I love the way I look at shit. And I feel like 
as every moment that I'm thinking about the way that I'm thinking, I'm loving it, and I'm thinking also there is going to be a time, and I'm not looking forward to it, and I'm not fearing it, where I'm not going to be able to play with my brain the way I'm playing with it right now. And and not having children, you're not going to have people around that's in your mind that you expressed before to kind of help you. Like I've already said, guys, when I get to that point. You got to make sure you shave my ears. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like right. you got to, you got, you know. And if I get a hair growing out of my nose, you got to, you got to pluck it out of there. Right. You know, right. it's like, right. you know, because it, it, yeah, of course I probably won't. It won't matter to me at that point. Right. But, but yeah, no. I mean, it, it was uh, it was an incredibly profound moment. One of the most profound moments I, I ever had in my life that night when he, I, when he did that. And and that in that moment we go back to the idea of an epiphany. And in that moment, that is an epiphany of, of I think. I think uh, Alex, Alexandra Billings was talking about, maybe it was Alex, maybe I just imagine it, um, the idea of thresholds. The idea of we always are crossing over from one idea, a concept of a belief, and we cross over into something else and we go, wait a minute, pardon me, I just don't feel that way anymore. There's this new thing. And you watching your father and then hearing your father, witnessing your father saying that thing to you, you crossed into a threshold that you can never uncross. You can never go back. The idea like that moment, at that moment of him sitting in that chair, in silhouette, in Highland Park, right? Right. Um, right off the Edens. Yes. Right? And, <laughs> um, and him being in silhouette and saying, I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah, like a theatrical designer could not have designed the moment for that line better. I mean, every element of that, you right. know, his, I think he was in his pajamas, mm-hmm. you know, his hair was a little mussed up, he was bald, but he had, you right. know, and, I mean, it was just, and the light, the way, every mo, every element of that, shocking, I was, John. it was so sobering, because right. I, I walked in that That's door, it. I was buzzed, right. but when he said that, right. I, it, it was uh, it was revelatory right. in that moment. It's that moment that you look at your parents and you go, oh my God, you're fucking old. But I don't, you know, my mom is 92, right. and I don't look at her that way. Well, but, but there have been you times know? where I'll look at my dad, and my dad is... 82. God damn it. I love that man. Yeah. And he's in his eighties and I look at him and I'm, and one of the things that I love to do with my dad is I punch him and I hit him and I drag him and I shake him and I hug him and I pull his hair and I'm looking because <laughs> that's something that I do. And I hit him and I, so, like, so elder abuse, it's basically. totally elder abuse. Great. And he laughs and he pushes me away. And I think there's going to come a time where that's not going to be anything that I could do. I'm going to do that right now because there's going to be a time where he is going to be frail. But right now, I'm eating the fuck out of that man. Nobody can make me laugh like my mom. Nobody. To this day, nobody can make me laugh like my mom. And nobody laughs at what I have to say like my mom does. And, and I'll, I don't know that I'll, I'll never find anybody who does. She just, I can make her laugh. And, and there is nothing in my life, probably, that gives me more joy than making her laugh. Ugh. Nothing. You know, so, and, and I can make her laugh easily. It's like, great. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> you know. It's those people that, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the idea of, I, 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 this is something that will never happen, that has never happened and will fucking never happen. And I know that I was kind of play with the idea of, you don't know that, but I will never blame my parents for the way for my for any flaw that people perceive me to have, 
Do you understand what I mean? Like, oh, looking back and going, well, my parents really fucked me over. They did the best job that they could do at that time. And I, I don't blame them for anything. Yeah, I, I had an, I've had an idyllic life. And when I teach my students, and I, I, I can't relate to some of the shit they've had to deal with in their lives. I can't on a personal level. What, I can what only shit is that? What shit? Just you know, broken families, abuse. Well, what's broken? Violence, families? lack okay, of nurturing. Right, right. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, people who don't love their children or don't treat them with that love. You know, whatever, whatever it is. I, I can't really relate to that. All I can do is say, this is who I am, and this is what you can be. You can be happy. You can choose in any given moment to be happy. You can choose to learn. You can choose to be a vital part of this world. You know, and I deal with a lot of, I mean, I'd say a good percentage of my students, broken families, right. you know. You know, I mean, it's, I was blessed. I've often said that's why I'm not a better actor. I just haven't, I haven't really had a whole lot of pain in my life. I mean, of death here and there, you know, a little trouble. But, but I've, I haven't had to deal with anything. I got no sense memory to pull me back. The, the worst thing that's ever happened to me, truly, uh, I, my dad dying was, was a bad thing. The worst thing that's ever happened to me was when my, my dog, the, the Johnson, the closest animal I ever had in my life, had puppies. And I had one of his puppies. And I struggled for the longest time to come up with a name. And I came up with the perfect name, Sequel. Sequel was growing up and Sequel got parvo. And I watched him die over the course of a week. And I had to take him in. And I... It was the worst moment of my life. Uh, That's nothing compared to what right. some, some of my students and people I know have dealt with. Nothing. You know? I got, I got, like the question of what's the worst thing that happened. If someone's, should someone ask me what's the worst thing that happened in your life? I don't know what the fuck that would be. Nothing stands out. Because I don't look at life in that way of there's this bad thing that happened. Because no matter what the fuck happened, something good became, something good came out of that. If someone says, oh, your parents were divorced. It's like, you know what? But right now, I get to play, I get to live with two fucking and, happy but the other side But the other side of that coin goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, which is there are people that if you ask them they, the good thing in your life, they probably wouldn't be able to do it because they only see the world as bad and negative and horrible and out to get them. And, and everybody, you know, we got to protect ourselves and this and that just drives me crazy. Well, I've got a friend whose father died. And I said to her, what good came of that what good came of that and she went nothing and i thought okay she gets to own that but i also feel like that's not true that's not true because i know for a fact that because her father died she has suddenly given her love to the rest of the world at that moment she gets to let surrender his pain and his suffering and to look and love the people that are here. So you get a choice, and everything's a choice. Well, and every event in your life, you can view it in one way, or you can view it in another way. Right. My favorite movie is Say Anything. There's a wonderful moment in the movie where John Cusack's talking to Joan Cusack, his, mm -hmm. sister, his actual sister, who plays his sister in the movie, and he, he just looks at her, and she goes, why can't you just choose to, to be happy? You, and be funny. You were you used to be so funny and everything. Right. Why can't you just choose to be, be, right. be that? It's so simple. And she looks at him and she goes, 
No, he I looks was, at her. What? No, she looks at him. Uh-huh. And she, she listens to him and she goes, I was kind of funny, wasn't I? You know, it's something to that effect. And it is. To me, it's that simple. When, when people go, it's just, you don't get it. You're, you know, I'm, I'm going, no, I get it. It's that simple. Just choose to see the positive, choose to be happy. That's not going to take away the negative and the pain and the stuff like that. But you, you can choose in that moment to go, you know what? I'm going to be alive. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be fulfilled. And I'm going to learn from all these other things, you know? Great. Let's end there. Okay. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information, you can go to our website at www.addcomedy.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod, and you can follow Dave on Twitter at D Rosowski.